And as we begin this and as we look through this, we think of evangelism as um, something that should be easy, but it's really not. It's very difficult. And as we go through these, you know, I, I've just really been convicted about some of these things in our life as far as um, salvation. What does it mean to be saved? And so uh, being a pastor of a few different churches over my uh, time in the ministry, um, sometimes churches have different requirements. When we were up in Jump River, one of our requirements to become a member was uh, baptism by immersion. Uh, down in Augusta, it was not that. We just had a covenant that you needed to agree to, I believe here. Uh, it's the same thing. And, and what I'm trying to get at with that is that there are requirements to belong to different groups. If you wanted to join uh, some country club, they may have a dress code or something that uh, you have to follow to become part of that organization or pledge to do certain things. When we talk about a relationship with Jesus, a lot of times we like to just sort of poo-poo it and say, like, there's nothing to it. You know, just, just say this prayer, walk this aisle, do this thing. And, uh, and you'll be okay. Jesus loves you. And what we need to understand really is that God also has requirements on us. And there's things that we need to know. There's things we need to recognize in our life. And these are things that as we share the gospel with family and friends and, and others that we need to know to make sure that they are doing it. You know, the world is, is full of people that I really believe think that they're Christians for, for some reason or another because they've been baptized, because they've been raised in a church, because they've uh, uh, signed a pledge card, because they come to church, because they read the certain version of the Bible. And we rest our, our laurels of our salvation on something other than what Scripture says. And so as we get into this, uh, we really want to go through what the scripture has said. And then probably in a couple of weeks, I'm going to give a teaching aid out as a gift. We have a, a couple of gifts that we want to hand out that will help you as you are sharing the message with people. And so the one thing that we need to start out with is, is sin. We are sinners. That's why we need a savior is because we are lost. We are dead in our trespasses. We are dead in our sin. And so the reason I call this the color of salvation is because there's uh, colors that I'm going to bring out over the next few weeks that as we look at this and as we have this teaching aid, it's going to just remind us of the process as we share the gospel. And the first is black, and black rep represents darkness, okay? And so we know that sin is referred to as darkness many times in the scripture, and it separates us from our relationship with God. And so as uh, John shared today, there's, there's a few uh, uh, a few scriptures that I really want to share because this isn't my opinion. This isn't my method. This is really what scripture says. And so I want to start in Matthew 7 uh, with verse 13. It says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. So we see right away in Matthew, that it talks about this wide gate. That's the way of the world. The world, you know, we're in this uh, culture cancel that's going on right now. We're in redefining history. We're in just making, you know, everybody a participant and everybody's good enough. Uh, the Bible is very clear. It says that, that the road that the world offers is wide. The, the 
temptations that Satan gives us is wide. He said, oh, you can do this, you can do that. And, and the world says, you can do all these things. But again, in Matthew, and these, these are red letters, these are spoken of Jesus. He says, narrow is the gate and few is there who will find it. But I want to read on a little bit further. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. And so Jesus is telling us again, as we enter into a relationship with him, we are going to be bearers of good fruit. Not that we've conjured up, but the works that he has given us. And so when we talk about works and the things we do, we don't do these things for salvation. We do, do these things because of salvation. It says, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you shall know them. So Jesus is making this very clear that as a, as a believer in Jesus Christ, there's going to be evidence in our life of him being alive and active in our life. It doesn't mean that we are without sin. It doesn't mean that we're not going to struggle or fail in areas, but we are going to have that good fruit because it is Christ and his Holy Spirit that is working in us. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. That's an important verse. There are a lot of people that say, Lord, Lord, and he's going to go on and explain this. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Those are some powerful things. Casting out demons and performing miracles in the, in the name of Jesus. And he says, and I will declare to them, I, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken as a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and it beat upon the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. And that is in Jesus. Christian means Christ's follower. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, they beat against the house and it fell, and great was the fall. And so we see about building on those things of Christ. These are eternal things. And he says we are going to stand because we're standing on the word of God. If we continue in sinfulness and, and accepting those things in our life and not dealing with those things, he tells us that we are like this foolish man that built his house on the sand and as the storms come, it's going to fall. Now if we hop over to John 10, 1 through 10, and again these are the words of Jesus. Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he brings them out, uh, then he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet there will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers." Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, 
but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and go out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So Jesus makes this very clear that there is one way to the Father, and that is through him. He is the door. And so we have the narrow path. We have the door that is is given there. And then my last one is over in Colossians. If you want to turn there, Colossians again, three, just a couple verses. And this is just setting up as we look at the sin in our life. If then you were raised with Christ, and this is Paul speaking, of course, Colossians, then if you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now you can continue to to read on through that because there's a lot of good things throughout the whole Bible. And that's why we say, read the scriptures. We are raising a generation of ignorant Christians that do not know the word of God. They listen to pastors. They may listen to things on the radio. But as you're well aware, you can listen to speakers that vary greatly on things. You need to get into the word of God. You need to read the word of God to know what it says. And so as we look at sin, and sin is something that we don't talk about much today in the church. Um, Isaiah tells us this, your iniquities, your sins. He says, have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear you. We need to understand the gravity of sin in our life. Amen. We need to understand the darkness. I mean, really the, the pit that we are in of sin in our life. See, we like to categorize it. Well, that's not a very bad sin. Well, this is a terrible sin. Or, or if I have this sin in my life, of course, I want to justify it. But in another person's life, we turn a blind eye from it. Isaiah says something different. He says, your iniquities have made a separation between you and God. I want you to understand that. And when you're sharing the gospel with people, you have a loved one, you have a friend, you have a neighbor, you have somebody that you want to share the gospel with. They need to come to that understanding. They are separated from God because of their sin. If you're sitting here today and don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to come to grips with this. That sin separates us from God. And he says, your iniquities, he says, your sins. Okay? Not the sins of the world, but your sins. We make this personal. We look and we say, my sin in my life separates me from God. As a born-again believer, even when I'm sinning in my life, if I have sin that's in my life, I'm struggling with sin, that sin is trying to separate me from God. And so we need to understand the seriousness of that. And that's in, again in Isaiah 59 two. John 3, 19 and 20 says this, this is the judgment that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. Men and women, you and I. And the Bible tells us even as we stand today, there's something in us that pulls us to darkness. There's something in us that pulls us towards sin. And so as we share the gospel with people, it says that men love darkness rather than light, for their deeds were evil, for everyone who does evil hates the light. I want you to think about that. When we continue in a sinful state, we are really telling God, that, that we hate him and his word and what he says. 
Now, we don't like to admit that, but how do you argue with the scripture? Their deeds were everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Isn't that something when you got something in your life? Our tendency isn't to come clean with it or to be accountable to other people or to stand up and confess those things, to, to be accountable for those things. The nature of man in sin is to hide that sin. If nobody knows, you know, I'm not going to be held accountable. That's just between myself and God. It's nobody else's business, but we're going to talk about that in a moment too. So Jesus put it this way. He says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor or a physician, right? But it is the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, that didn't mean that Jesus was saying that there are, are those that um, were righteous and didn't need salvation. But he was saying that there are those that see themselves as righteous and don't think that they need salvation. We deal with that in the world today. I may be struggling with somebody, and there might be a, a, a moral person in the world whose life shines over mine, and they'll say, why do I need that God? I'm better than this person. Why would God send me to hell? I don't do the things that this other person does or that you do. And we always have this self-righteousness sometimes that comes into our life. Amen. And so Jesus told us again, he says, it's not the healthy that needs a doctor, but the sick. Do you look at your sin as a sickness, as a disease? You know, the word disease comes from a, a combination of the word dis-ease. It means that, that we're not at ease with things. When we're sick and we're not feeling well, it affects our whole body, right? But Jesus says, I've come to offer you the peace that surpasses all understanding. So some think that they're righteous, don't need that salvation. As we share the gospel, we say, you know what? In a Romans road is a good one. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. All are sinners. All fall short of the glory of God. There's not one righteous, not one. Every one of us needs a, uh, a savior, and that is Jesus. We need to repent of those sins. We need to turn to him and show him that our desire in our heart is to love him and to follow what he has for us. And so before a patient can really deal with a, a medical problem, and I will say before a, a sinner can deal with a spiritual problem, they need to understand and they need to admit that there is a problem and they need to go for help. And where do we find our help? My help comes from the Lord, Scripture. Scripture after Scripture tells us where we go for help, and that's to Jesus Christ. Because the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. Our heart is desperately wicked. But scriptures tell us that. And really, if you're, you're sitting here today saying, you know, I, well, I want to come to church to feel sort of good when I leave, this probably isn't the sermon for you. Because the Bible tells us that our heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Bible says, I don't even know my own heart. That's part of the depravity of sin. But my righteousness is not in just myself. It's in Jesus Christ when we have that relationship with him. And so the heart is depraved, it's foul, it stinks. It's like a rotting corpse, and it needs to be dealt with. You know, there was a movie out, I think it was called The Green Mile, and when they were walking down this thing, they'd say, dead men walking. When I look at the world, and when I look at people that don't know Christ, I look at them in that sense. They're dead people walking around. They need a Savior. They need to have that eternal life that Jesus offers. And so there's that word we don't like to say in 
church very often because it, it makes us feel uncomfortable, makes us feel dirty, makes us feel ashamed, maybe even embarrassed. And that word is sin. We don't talk about sin in church. If you want to win a family member to Christ, if you want to share the gospel with anybody, doesn't matter who it is, you got to start with the problem. And the problem is sin. And so black represents that, or darkness represents sin. And we need to tell everybody, our sin, our, our, sin, our heart is dark. It's filled with sin. Our desires are, are, are not pure. You know, we, we talk about people are moral and, and sort of, this apart from Christ. But really there is no morality apart from Christ. The Bible says that our heart is, is desperately wicked. Our heart is darkened and it's blackened. Of course, Christ gives that hope. There was, uh, as I was thinking through this, Jonathan Edwards uh, preached a sermon that I was required to, to read in high school. And of course, I'm, I'm old. They would never do this anymore because Jonathan Edwards was a preacher. But it was really considered a good example of like a, uh, of, a, of a Puritan uh, literature. And the sermon was called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Can you imagine that back in the, the, the early 70s, reading that in high school? That was required reading. And I read that. Well, part of the story was this, is that the first time Edwards preached in his home church, he preached as normal, and, and there was really uh, not anything you know, exciting happened there because he was raised in that church. That church preached the word of God strongly. And as he went out, he preached at another church and he visited this congregation. And as he preached it, there were people that actually cried out in fear over their sin. He preached this, this sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And said that people cried out, that people fainted, people trembled. It says that people actually grabbed the pew in front of themselves to, thinking that they could slide into the depths of hell at any moment. Now, I don't believe in just scaring people into hell, but when we read the word of God and when we really see that it is that sin that separates us from God, that it is that sin that is going to cast us into eternal damnation, it should awaken something in us, that I am lost and that I need Jesus Christ as a savior. A.W. Tozer said this, let the average man be forced in making a choice between God and money, between God and men, between God and personal ambitions, between God and human love, and God will take second place every time. Think about that. A.W. Tozer talking about the nature of man. That's, our, that's the way that we are. That's the nature, that's the corruptness that is in each and every one of us apart from Jesus Christ. But we don't talk about sin anymore. We avoid mentioning it in the fear that we might offend somebody or that, you know, it might affect numbers or people coming. But sin is at the very crux of why we need a Savior. As we approach God, we should be aware of who God is. Our God is a holy God, a righteous God. John was reading out of Revelation. It's a beautiful place. He talks about when we get to heaven, there's going to be no more crying, no more tears, no more sins, no more stains, no more any of the stuff that we face in this world today. We need to come to God knowing fully who God is. But we also need to be aware of who we are. And you know, if we lift ourselves up higher, closer to God and say, well, you know, I'm not as bad. And you know, yeah, I've done some things wrong in my life. And yeah, I, I don't think I want to go to hell. So I want to accept Jesus. We've really minimized that gap. But when we re realize as Paul, that old wretched man that I am, and, and we see 
the greatness and the vastness of salvation, man, it just floods and it fills us and it just changes our whole being and our soul. And it lifts us up and we say, great is our Lord. Not good or, you know, yeah, he, he did this for me, but great is our Lord. First John 1 John 1.8, it says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Paul says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I want you to think in the world today because this is the battle that you have as a Christian that wants to share the gospel is you're fighting culture change. You got people that want to change history. You got people that want to change the word of God. They're trying to redefine what marriage is. They're trying to redefine what gender is. They're trying to redefine just about everything that is going on, even work ethic. You know, the Bible says, you know, work for those things that you have. And, and we're raising generations right now that just have the hand out and we have, you know, expecting the government or somebody else to pay their way or pave the way for them. These are the challenges that we are, are fighting as believers and Christians today. Every sin we try to justify in the world today. You look at whatever is going on in the world today and, and they try to minimize it and justify it. We need to call it what it is. It's sin. It's darkness. It's blackness. It's death. And it leads to eternal damnation and hell. People feel guilty. They try to hide from God. Think about Adam and Eve. I found this interesting as I was reading one of the commentaries. When they wanted to hide from God, they, they took a couple fig leaves. I'm thinking, that's just not good clothing at all, fig leaves, right? God, in their, in their lostness, he provided them skins, right? He provided, God still provides. We just came through Jonah. We saw God providing for Jonah through the darkness, answering him in the belly of the fish. But when we look at this, sometimes people feel guilty about their sin and they want to hide. We see people that drift sometimes from Christian fellowship because their sin is on the front and they know when we hear God's word, we know that there's something wrong and that we need and we should deal with it. And when we don't, it just shows our rebellion towards God and his word. The scripture said this from Adam. You know, Adam and Eva are just, they're sort of a neat couple, aren't they? When you look back at them, they're just like they are today. Every time something's going on in my wife, I'd say, why didn't you remind me? And she'll always say, oh, you're blaming me again, right? Yeah. yeah. And then if something's not going the other way, sometimes she says, why didn't you do that? Oh, you're blaming me again. Adam and Eve had the same problem that was going on. He says, the woman you put here, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. You know, he's, he's not only just blaming her, he's sort of blaming God for, you know, he gave me this woman and this is what she did. He asked Eve, what is this that you have done? And just like Adam Eve denies it. What does she say? She says, the snake deceived me. When we look at sin in our life, when we look at really how far we are fallen from God, when I can own up to my sin, when I can stop blaming others or society or circumstances for my sin, when I take responsibility of that and say, you know what, Lord? The problem is me. The problem is my heart. And I need you. I need you to deliver me. I need you to forgive me. And we go and we repent of that sin. We see a mighty work of God that is done in the life of that person. It's a seriousness that we need to deal with. It's a seriousness that we need to look at. The nature of sin permeates, the Bible will tell us this, that it permeates everything that we do so that even when we do good things, sin is involved. 
We don't think about that. Oh, I'm doing good things. I'm doing good works. I'm helping old ladies cross the street. I'm carrying bags out for this person. I'm, you know, and we get our little list that's going on. But why do we do it? The Bible talks about sometimes we do those things in front of others. So when I do this thing, Dale will come up and say, well, what a good man. Pat me on the back. You helped that old lady across the street. You know, our nature, our nature is corrupt. And that's where we need to start from. We do good things, but there's still sin involved in those things. The name of the doctrine is really called total depravity. And when we say total depravity, it sort of makes the word sin not seem quite so bad. But I just want to explain total depravity, and then then we'll probably cut her short today. And we'll get back into it. Total depravity doesn't mean um, that we're all totally evil. The good news is, is we are made in the image of God. We have a desire. There's a desire in us to sin, but there's also a desire in us to find that fulfillment that only God can fill in our life. But what total depravity means is that the good we do is often faulty. So even when we're trying to do good things, there's faults in that. Uh, Sometimes it's in the way even that we do things. But it is a separation from God. When we talk about total depravity, we are totally separated from God. And that's the heart. Genesis 6, 5 says, The intention of the thoughts of humanity's heart is only evil continually. Doesn't sound like there's much hope when we read scriptures like that. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 7.20, There is not a righteous person on earth who does good and never sins. You might say, where is my hope? You might say, there is no hope for me. That's the state you need to be in to come to Christ. I cannot do it, Lord. I cannot do it on my own. I cannot do it by myself. I'm failing. I'm at wit's ends. I'm lost. I'm dark. I'm I'm whatever. And we're like Jonah in the belly of the whale that cries out to God in our darkness. And he provides the light. The, The good news of all this is that our hope is in Jesus Christ. So as we look at this, in Jesus there is hope. So darkness represents sin. Black represents sin. So we're going to go through these colors as we go through it the next few weeks. But dark represents sin. I think we need to talk a little bit more about it, but you're getting the point where I'm going. Until we really understand how bad we are, how lost we are, and until we forsake our ways to follow him, we're never going to have that peace in our life, and we're never going to have that that satisfaction of having the Holy Spirit alive and active in our life. I want to close in the, in the book of Romans, uh, Romans chapter 7. And again, it's uh, Romans is a, is a deep book, so I know, uh, I know there's a, a group that's going through it on, uh, on Tuesdays, and we have a group that's going through it on Wednesdays. Uh, Romans is a, a book that we really need to look at. But at the very end of Romans, and so Paul is talking throughout Romans, and read Romans 7, because it's, it's, it's a wonderful piece of scripture. But he says, those things I want to do, I don't do. That's our sin nature. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, those things I know I should do, that I want to do, I'm not doing those things. And those things that I know I shouldn't be doing, I'm doing. 
And he talks about this war that goes on within his life. And I want to say that through this, he isn't justifying anything. He's saying, that's my nature. That's my brokenness. That's my darkness in my life. That's who I am apart from Christ. But he closes out chapter 7 this way. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul understood that sin separates us from God. Paul understood that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. He understood that sin separates us from a holy, righteous God and spending eternity worshiping him. So he could say that, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. He says, through Jesus Christ. Our hope is in Christ. You have sin in your life? We all do. We are just sinners. I love the song by the cathedrals. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I stood condemned to death. He took my place. But as we have sin in our life, John would tell us in in the little books of John, he's faithful and just to forgive us those sins. You have something today that is standing between you and God. You have sin in your life that is undealt with and and maybe you've minimized it or aren't willing to deal with it, it's affecting your relationship with with Christ. And I would say if it's not even really bothering you that much, I would even say maybe you need to check your relationship with Christ. Are you truly saved? The Bible talks about when we give those things to Christ, I become a new creature. Behold, old things are passed away, all things become new. It doesn't mean that I don't have sin in my life anymore because I still do, but it means when sin comes into my life, there is a battle, there is a war that goes on in my intention, in my heart, as I fellowship with God, as I read his word, as I come into the presence of the holy God, is to forsake that sin and to follow him. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. So black represents darkness. Darkness represents the sin in our life. And the darkness represents death apart from Christ. Let's pray.
helps you to understand where people come from. Yeah, they got such hard lives and hard hearts and whatnot from all their. Yeah, absolutely. Our Greg Laurie, he says uh, three things about surprising when you go to heaven. People are actually there in heaven. Yeah. And then the people you expected to see there that are in heaven. And the third one is that you're actually in heaven. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of funny the way he talks sometimes. You know, I listened to a, a song a long time ago. I think it was called I Search Both Sides of the River for You. Yeah, I was talking about sort of an evangelistic. Like, I couldn't find you. You know, I remember listening to that early on in my life. I was like, oh man. You know, just, just yeah. thinking of that. So, what do you do to. My, one, my youngest boy, he's still trying to figure it out. He's still. You know, I mean, he, he said when he was young, and he, well, and he gave his life to grace. I baptized him, but, you know, and I've never forced my kids but when he was ready. He told her, he says, you know, when I got baptized, he said, I saw a color I never saw in my life. I've never seen it since. He said, I can't even explain it. Well, that's awesome. So I, I believe yeah. something was there, but yeah. when he went to college, yeah. and he got yeah. two professors. And, yeah, absolutely. So he's figured it out, and I said, that's good. you got to figure it out. You can't, you're not getting to heaven on my shirt tail. Right, right. You got questions on all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's our children too. They, uh, yeah, they hit their twenties and little things happen. Away they go. They're doing their own thing now, you know. And see us, but my middle daughter Carrie, she. Uh, Child, a lot of times was quiet, unassuming, but behind the scenes she was all okay. Anyway, she ended up getting pregnant. And uh, she probably talked to Julie. She said, I'm afraid to tell Dad, I don't want to, whatever. So Julie called and told me, and, you know, you go through a little, like, um, and I was like, that's why. Well, then she said the guy that got her pregnant wanted her to have an abortion. And so, um, and he got out of her life. It was more of a Yep, yep. So, but after she told me, I said, that's right. I would come home, she can finish her school, and you know, we'll have to get it. And then she ended up losing the baby about, about five months. Oh, okay. So oh, man, thing. that is hard, ain't it? Yep. But her boyfriend before that had broke up, and then she got with this guy, and they broke up. He was there with her the whole time through this miscarriage. And he ended up getting married. He's such a good dad. So you can see God's hand. Yeah, yeah. Like, not in the sin, but using yeah. things. He orchestrates stuff. Absolutely. I like the fact you brought up Adam and Eve and Big Leaf, because even in their sin, God is pursuing them. You know? Even in their your darkest spot, God is still pursuing you, waiting for that repentance, you know? And yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's good stuff. I know the one that was always the picture of Jonah in the belly of a fish. I mean, just think how dark that would be to be inside the belly. Right, you could see your hand. Well, but God had provided. I, I just study the sovereignty of God, and it's just a little bit amazing than anything I can imagine. But yeah, so he. 
like I said, he was in God's hands. So God, God pursued him that whole time. Like I said, a lot of times if I was God, I'd say, yeah, forget it. I ain't waiting for my time at this point. Yeah. You know who I am? I'm God. Right, right. Who are you? Right, yeah. A guy texted our Bible study group this morning. Yeah, I just have these insecurities. I'm struggling with this and that. And, and uh, in our Bible study, we're talking Romans 5, verse 1, talks about uh, peace with God. And then we brought up Philippians 4, 6, and 7, the peace of God. And how do we get peace of God? Well, that's what it says in Scripture. So I was, he missed our Bible study last week. So I was able to kind of hand in a couple of Scriptures this morning. And he really just felt good after reading God's Word and just kind of meditating on His words. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, it was really good. But anyway, yeah, just you can see the turmoil, you can see the struggles. And then we talked again a little bit about uh, Ephesians 6, the armor of God, where he's flaming arrows from out of nowhere. And like, you think, man, I got this Christian walk going so good. I was like, Ooh, where'd that come from? Like, you know what I mean, ain't I? And I'm thinking flaming arrows come out of nowhere. Isn't that an importance of every day? Dressing yourself yeah. in the armor too. Absolutely. Sometimes Absolutely. we get up and scratch and just head out into the world. And I really try when I get up in the morning, I, I really try to get my mind stayed on God. First thing. So I try to do, I do a couple of devotionals and read some things. Because it's like if I don't do that, it seems like I have problems all day. I'm yeah. I'm out into just a mess. Yeah, you just stutter through that day, tripping and falling and whatnot. I think a Roman or uh, First Corinthians ten thirteen it talks about providing a way out and stuff like that. But before that, verse twelve it says, "Be careful if you think you're firm and where you're at, because you will fall." And I'm like, "How fitting is that?" Okay, we're we're walking tall. Life is good. Boom. And that's the hard thing about talking about sin because people don't like to hear about. It. They like to hear, you know, you're okay. You're doing well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going. You're better than that guy. You'll be all right. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's like, man, you just need. I always feel like God for me. Sometimes, from time to time again, even as a Christian, I feel like He's broke me somewhere. So I, I'm just flat on my back. Looking yeah, 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 yeah. No, that was good. That was good. It's funny though how your lesson and what I was going to open with how funny that kind of meshes together. God is isn't that hilarious? So, yeah. Yeah, it is. That's where I belong, right there. You back. What's the hole? What's the hole? Oh, I'm following this guy. There won't be any food left. Oh, man. Keep moving, Chris.
So was he working last night? Sleeping this morning? Does he like that night shift? Yeah, he does. Oh, okay. Sharon said she might be getting For what? Yeah. Yeah, she said she's going to buy one from Terry Manier. She thinks she's going to look at it. So,
suck it so they couldn't didn't even get any. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Minneapolis and lived in Bloomington a while. Close to all that area.
Kachi misses him an air. So my Kachi misses him. Yes, you weren't trying to hide it. I couldn't have mine twice. So are mushrooms going to keep growing for a couple weeks yet? Mushrooms? I found a couple of chicken in the woods. I got to get her a book because she doesn't really, she's interested when she gets too scared about Yeah. 
chicken, that's why they call them chicken of the woods. Yeah. The hen of the woods, they're like white. When they harvest them, then they gotta soak them in like some cold salt water, like overnight, because bugs will come out. They tend to get a lot of leaves and bark in them, too, because they're, uh, they're like a bunch of little. out if you don't come out today. When you're up there, it doesn't really bother me that I only bring back a few because you're sort of mm-hmm. fished out. But it's just funny. My mom worked for this lady at Cray that got married to a farmer. And she, I think he had a couple of boys, and she put some roast in a crock pot. She came home from work, and her dad cut it in half with the boys, and there was nothing left. And she was like, What happened to the roast? And they got the lunch. She was thinking it was like a couple days worth of food. They just made like a couple sandwiches out of it. Yeah, yeah. Oh. But that's the difference of working every day. Yeah. Yeah. Lately, when we go up to Canada, I mean, we bring a couple canned goods, but it's just basically potatoes and onions and carrots. Fried beans or something, you know, you can't bring a lot up there. 
Yeah, we'll bring him up. I think Jerry's, Jerry was already wrote and wants to go up in the spring. I have milk for you in the house. Okay. Oh, I told her, I said maybe we'll go up early, like with our boys, and then somebody else comes up. When they fly in, she can fly out. It saves on the cost. And then whoever's up there, I, when I come out, I can just ride home with them. I got I'm trying to do my um, solar up there and uh, I'm going to redo a little bit of plumbing. Yeah, we had an inside hot water heater tank that backfired on me one time. She got all upset about it. So, so she doesn't trust us. So we're going to get it on demand. So that actually was nice. You can get those with LP too or they can run the off a night gold battery. We'll keep them informed. All right. Hey. Ask her how her interview went.
times in my life. Thank you. Why am I just sitting out? She said she was tired. That's fine. I just want to make sure the girls were like up and up and play stuff by themselves. I like to think they know better, but it's not necessary. There's a big old group with older kids there. Yeah. Yeah, the kids all play pretty good. The older ones actually okay, start to watch the younger ones a little bit. No, that's nice. Which our girls are pretty, pretty good at independent playing. Since there's two of them, someone gets hurt, the other one can come in. Don't touch me. Let me roll up here, Steve. Oh, 
and I've been so happy at the prison, you know, just to get to meet the, some of the guys that I've met and to see some of the decisions there and change lives. And, and some of them they'll find you when they go out on the streets, like on Facebook. I don't correspond a lot with a lot of people on Facebook. Like I'll do devotionals and stuff, but it's, it's fun to watch them and when they're having a struggle to be able to, it's almost like an SCI community. There's a lot of them that knew each other here. They're friends on Facebook, even though they're in different parts of the state. And I'll see them encouraging one another and stuff. I really love that you do that. Brandon and his job, I think that's one thing he's been struggling with. Um, more and more the longer he's been in it is he just sees all the bad. The bad in people. And, you know, you see the same guys over and over again doing these horrible things. And, you know, he, I think he's really hard in his heart towards a lot of them. Which is understandable. You know, it's nice having a partner out there because we do have, uh, I have some of the guys, I, I just sort of call them like they're life suckers. So they they always want to see you, they're always in a crisis, but they never want to change anything. Yeah. They just want to. And so, like, if, I, if I'm getting tired of, like, dealing with a guy, I can go to Steve and say, Steve, take over this guy for a while. He does the same with me and then they sort of hand it off, which is softening a little bit. He's just hardened his heart so much towards some of these people. It's like, oh, this guy actually like sees the other side of it that sometimes they can change. He's getting to the point where it's like they're never gonna change. Same three people over and over. But you know, in my life, I look back and I've seen like just a couple people that spoke truth into my life at different times, and like like now I really appreciate it. You know, and it's. Even when I was in probation parole, I mean, I'd tell the guys that they were struggling with something. It's like, why don't you plug into a church up here and you know, do this or that? And, uh, you know, some of them would, some of them wouldn't. You know, but I mean, you can always... I'd even tell guys, like, when I left the probation office, that they were... Because some of them, I sort of developed, like, a relationship with them as far as... It wasn't just sitting there going through the checklist and all, see you next week or whatever. I talked with them and listened to them, and if they were going through family struggles, a lot of times I'd tell them, I'll pray for you this week, what things go good. You know, if you need me in the meantime, give a call. Tried to have that. I really enjoyed the probation aspect of it. But that's tough too. He can probably transition over into that pretty easily. Yeah. Probation. Prison. He, he said he never wants to step foot like in a prison. Prison is a different animal. When I went from probation into the prison, the thing like when I walk into prison, I'm locked up too. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's his theory. He's like, I don't want to be locked up. When I was in probation up in Price County, it was nice because like if I needed to get out, I'd just have to go do home visits, I'd go do job visits. And if I didn't have appointments, I'd have to go. So a lot of times during the week, I'd just schedule a couple free afternoons and then I would do it on the way home or the way to work. But I think that's changed a lot too, probably. In the,
calories full of full of sauce. I'm like, Woo it's kind of a sad. Like you work so hard to get all this, and then you boil it down so much to get it sauce, and then you're like, this giant tub of tomatoes. And I got like eh, 10, 10 pints or something. It's a little disappointing, but still satisfying, I guess. Highlights from last week. See that catch last week? Can't remember what game it was. The guy caught it with the one hand. Like, whoa, way back. Well, it was like Beckham, but it was. I squint at the sun because it's bright. I squint at you because you're not. You didn't do anything to those jalapeno peppers I ordered, did you? You didn't make them extra hot? No, they're originally extra hot. We're going to eat them today. You know what we do? We cut them in half, we take the seeds out, we put cream cheese in it, and we put them in the oven. Bake them. Whoa, nice catch, fingertips. I think so. Whoa, put it back when you're done. Whoa. Hey, how are you? Are you good? Your sister got a ball? You got such a nice smile. She's got one too, but she never uses it. 
There she did. Billy's right here. needy, Melanie. Just go with her. She's just needy. She's almost five. In October. October This way, little girl. What's your What's your sister's name? Eleanor. Eleanor. Nora. Stay over this way. Is it okay if I call her Nora? Nora's two. Are you two? Oh, you're true. Okay. Thank you for coming. Yeah, it's supposed to be this way the rest of the day, I think, but windy maybe. Yeah, I enjoy this weather here. Better than summer. I love this weather, yeah. You could say it like this. Yes, it could. But then we can't think what's coming ahead of us. Yeah. Ten weeks we'll be shoveling snow. Yeah. I was glad to have you back. Where'd you find that leaf? What are you, you putting that up your nose? Oh, wrong way. Wrong way. Oh. Cutest bunny ever. She's drawn the cutest bunny ever. Oh, look at that, huh? 
It's a purple one for Vikings. <laughs> for Vikings, there you go. I like it. You gotta round them up, Kelly. She's a good bunny drawer. Oh, well, you can throw it. Get over here. She's a farm laborer. 
needle that I got. Yep. Yes. What are the, the potatoes? More than 300. How does your dad's potato? Oh, yeah? Because yeah. it sort of works? Tell your dad to make a pickleball court. Pickleball court. In your in the shed. It's like uh, ping pong, but with bigger balls and paddles. Divided by eight. Oh. Divided by eight? Yeah. Nine. Good. Because nine times eight is. Seventy-two divided no, by nine. No, eight. Eight. That, that's eight. That's right. right.
I thought you had a picker for that. Well, that broke Helen's place. Oh, we got it going. Yeah, we, yeah, we got it. I found a couple more on, on Facebook. Yeah, like, now he's addicted to them. <laughs> yeah, I way overpaid for the one I got. So I want to go get the good deal now. <laughs> I can save half if I just... Your outfit is so cute. That's because you bought the one that was for landscaping. Like to sit out in front of someone's yard. No, this one, this this guy that it I bought from, he's an equipment like flipper. So he put new tires and new paint of the rims on it, and then put a bunch of new parts on it. And uh, but I mean, it still needed some work. We gotta do some more work to it. Like the front of it needs some scoops on it, so the potatoes ain't falling out the side. Yeah. You're thinking so, but it'll be so much fun next year. We can just whip right want, through it. Huh? Plant a whole bunch of potatoes. Have, so you much fun to Have you seen it in action? No? I'll just have to show you. I don't know if I'll be able to do that. Oh, my. I like that old, I got some old farm machinery too, I gotta get rid of it. What do you got? <laughs> 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 the market. Oh, wow. Well, there's still a little manual labor there. You'd have to get a yep. bucket in the back. Well, we, we're doing that, but you get all the dirt sometimes. You need like a little oh, yeah. basket that hangs back that's got rails so the dirt can kind of fall through and yeah. just get potatoes, but... Yeah, because oh. see, he was trying to catch it there. But you get a lot of dirt. Wow. That's quite true. That was our Labor Day weekend. I was just going to say, I don't yeah. see a company that we put them to work. Yeah, you know, it's Labor Day. You probably should work a little bit, huh? <laughs> hey, Dale, you're missing it. Give up the car and go for potatoes. <laughs> He's not having none of us. So what do you do? Just start on Craigslist and look? And I found those on Facebook. There's a cute little You do. You have a woolly caterpillar on you. What color is it? Nice monarch one. A brown and black one. She's waiting for it to crawl on her. Gloria says she can tell the winter by looking uh, yeah. at it. Well, uh, Dale read us right. the winter, but they no, all look different This to one me. looks different now, so they, <laughs> if that's true, they all have to look the same. We need them to come read the caterpillar. Go take it to Dale and ask him what kind of winter we're going to have. Oh, here. He, he, he's, he pulled it off for me. There he goes. There he goes. Come on. Oh, yeah. Good thing Greg's so patient. <laughs> Dale that was all black. Oh, 11 times 11. We're quizzing math. I don't know that one. Well, 121? 
backpack because it'd have a one-time blow in it. Oh, one yeah, she, she brings it back. She'll bring it back. Oh, Gloria's reading the caterpillar. <laughs> as long as she doesn't say winter, starting next week. Yeah. Finally got my sawmill. Well, I did Jerry's log. Right. And I went down up to our woods and I did a couple of our logs yesterday. Yeah, we're having fun playing with that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's kind of a cool thing. <laughs> um, opposite coaches and so. Another one. So, what's a good sized log to have to work on there? But yeah, and I'm sure. Jerry's was 23. That was that was heavy. Yeah, that was a red oak. Um, I mean, basically, if you get between like 16 and 24, so there you can handle it pretty good. Do you have like a split steer or something to handle? Oh, no, so I have I have ramps and then I have a winch. Yes. You take down a pine tree? Yeah. Oh, I cut it down one. I did about 125 boards yesterday if I don't know this person around. So if if I bring you trees and I pay you, will you will you do you do this as a, like a side gig? I got some big trees that came down, like they're just kinda laying there. One's an oak. And one's a pine. But they're they're big. Like I should do something with those trees. Well, I can I can handle up to about a thirty inch. He's gonna need a nap. But a thirty inch is like that's big. My oak might be a little bit bigger than that. And some of them, depending, because sometimes they'll taper. So sometimes you can trim a little with the chainsaw if you wanted to, right. to make it fit. Yeah. Or else, I mean, there are there are like Amish mills around that will handle huge stuff. Yeah. Were they yeah, tree I, yards or wood, woods yards? Or woods, uh, like were they in a yard? Oh, no, they're up my woods. Oh, okay. So one that tornado came through is a big branch of a big pine. But the branches, um, you know, about like that, oh. off this thing. It's, I mean, it's like an 80 foot pine. Oh. Um, I had a huge pine, probably twice the size of this tree, the top broke off. And yeah, and when that come down, it just about like yeah. That's so. Are you saying I should take him to the Amish, or do you, are you do you have any interest in it? Yeah, I mean, I, I would do it too. Yeah, we could find a way to to haul him. I I can get him to you, or I can I can bring my trailer down to you too. Yeah, I think I can get him on a trailer. I got I'm you don't buy a tractor. I'm selling a tractor. I need a bigger tractor. <laughs> What are we hauling him? He's in a downhill cycle right now. Yeah. <laughs> I need more potato pickers. I need I he's be the neighbors. So he's, got, he's got a sawmill, right? Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Like, well, I've got some big. I got a big oak sitting oh, there. I that. got a big oak that's probably ten feet. I just I whacked the end off. My son home. bought me one that mounts to your saw blade. I, yeah. Yeah. Well, my bar too. isn't big enough. I you need like a three foot bar to right. put this thing on it. Yeah. That big of a little. Yeah, because I mean I, I could cut slabs out of something that big, but this thing is like that big. I got a big still that's got a blade about Oh yeah, That would work. That would probably that would probably I don't know if my Alaskan mill can handle that big of a Oh oh okay. Because you need the other end, but maybe your mill will. Yeah. Well, this this is literally something that straps to the bar. You bound it to the chainsaw bar. What color 
and uh, it starts cutting slabs flat with your chainsaw. Yeah. But, well, that's interesting. Somebody look at yours. But yeah, otherwise, yeah, that's why I got it portable too, because then I can just drive it places. Right. And, you know, because wrestling cool. those things is heavy, mm -hmm. and then it can be dangerous. It can be, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I can absolutely. get them out of the woods into the field. Yeah, I don't know what kind of models. Yeah. I just hate to see that that oak. So the oak is like partially dying. And most of his big branches fell off of him. But I mean, the big stump of this thing is probably eight foot tall, ten foot tall. And like now, just the woodpeckers are pecking at it. Oh, sure. But there's got to be good wood in there. Yeah. Yeah, you can. Even the one, like the oak that I did the other day, that was standing dead for a year and a half. And the bark all started to rot and the bugs were getting in there. Yeah. Yeah. But once I got that stripped right. off, the inside is really nice. I did a lot of one buys. And like if you guys like do stuff for like the greenhouse, like planters or plaques or yeah. whatever. I just it's nice to have lumber laying around. Yeah. You're doing a project or something. Yeah. yeah, Jerry, he was gonna redo. Well, I thought he should have used white oak, but he had a red oak. But he was gonna redo his deck of his, one of his trailers. Oh, okay. oh. And then, uh, yeah. yeah, then we just did some one inch for him. Okay, I know. Sure. It's getting. I keep getting. I'll, I'll text you and see when you'll be around. Maybe we'll come down and take a look at it. Yeah, all right. See what would be easiest. Yeah, because yeah. right. yeah, it's nothing to move it. <laughs> and it's, it's only eight miles north. What's the weather? This is going to be a rough start. Then it's going to be okay in the yeah. middle. And then it's going to be rough at the end. Ooh. You gonna take that home, put it in a jar? Yes. What's your name? What's her name? What's your name? Craig. His name is Craig. Oh. Okay. Hello, Craig. I, I guess you're taking Craig home with you. Okay. <laughs> you better treat him good now. I'm sort of attached to him now. Got a vested interest. Thank you guys for the potatoes and peppers. Thank you. 